Welcome to the Stay Healthy El Paso podcast, where we help El Pasoans get away from taking pain medications, avoid getting injections, avoid surgery, and keeping up an active lifestyle. This podcast is presented to you by Dr. David Midoff, expert physical therapist and owner of El Paso Manual Physical Therapy. It is our goal and intentions to provide you with valuable tips and insights from experts in the El Paso area so you too can stay healthy, fit, and energized. Now here is your host, Dr. David. Hey everyone, welcome to the Stay Healthy El Paso podcast. I'm your host, Dr. David Midoff, expert manual physical therapist, and I'm the owner of El Paso Manual Physical Therapy. I am going to talk to you today about the top six reasons for knee pain and four ways to start fixing it. So we see knee pain here in the clinic all the time. And, you know, if you haven't had any sort of trauma, like you, you know, you were in an accident, you fell, uh, somebody fell into you, then knee pain usually for most people, it comes on without any sort of reason like that. It, it comes on what we call insidiously. Um, that's what they say in the medical field. But all that means is that it, there wasn't a clear reason why you started to have knee pain. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Oftentimes, people say it's related to my age. You know, I, I hit 50, I hit 60, and, you know, my, my parents had the same problems as they were getting older. And so now that's kind of why I'm getting issues too. It's just age catching up with me. Um, but we're going to talk through some of the, the main causes of this knee pain that comes on without any any sort of reason and dispel some of the myths along the way here today. You know, age, uh, Here, let me just, just talk about age right away. As you age, of course, time passes in order for you to, to age. And so one of the, the things that you have to keep in mind that sure, your body won't heal as fast and uh you know you've you've put more wear and tear on it over the years but what is affecting people that are older is that they've put more wear and tear on it in a bad way in other words um if you think of a car um and you the, the longer you drive it the more maintenance you have to do do on it you have to fix your tires get your oil changed get other things changed out repaired and all that tune-ups but if you make sure that your tires are properly aligned if 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 you go get your tires rotated if you manage your tires they'll stay good for a long time um, but if you don't go get your tires checked out then they start they start balding in other words the treads start to to um disappear and that's because you wear down the tires the the rubber on the outside of the tires way faster than than you should um, so same same thing happens inside the body, and we're talking specifically about the knees today. Um, if you are doing things that are harmful to your knees, unknowingly most of the time, um, then it's going to wear down your knees faster, and it's not a function of age. An interesting thing that we see is people that are just generally more active, you know, they, they're very into running or cycling, they, they, they're just getting lots of reps they hit knee problems younger than somebody who isn't, somebody who's less active. Just like if you were to, you know, put 200,000 miles on your car really fast while well, you're going to go through more tires. Um, but if you aren't as active as other people, maybe you're not into running or, or, or cycling or, or heavy exercise, um, you know, maybe you're more of a leisure exercise person. You like to walk, 
and, and do other things. Those people that still tend to get knee problems will get it later in life, like 60s or 70s or beyond. Um, and it's just a matter of how many reps they put their body through, the bad reps, you know, reps that affect their, their, their knee joints pro- improperly. So just wanted to dispel that myth real quick. We'll, we'll go through more here in a second. Let's get into the top six reasons that knee pain happens. So reason number one, worn down cartilage. It's along that same thread that I was talking about. Now there's cartilage right behind your kneecap. If you feel your knee right now, if you reach down and, and feel the, the front of your knee, um, there's a little bone that is called the kneecap. And it sits against the end of your thigh bone. Um, the thigh bone, it's called the femur, is the longest bone in the body. And it is the top half of the knee, the knee joint. And that little kneecap um, slides up and down against the end of the thigh bone. And between the surfaces of the kneecap and the thigh bone, there's layers of cartilage. Now that cartilage is supposed to allow for frictionless movement. So in other words, the, the, the bones are supposed to slide on each other real nice and easy without any sort of grinding, without any sort of noise. And of course, if you have any children around or, or youngsters, they probably never complain about knees cracking and popping as they bend them or straighten them. Straighten them. But your knees might make noises. And that's usually because you've got worn down cartilage somehow some way now the cool thing about the human body is that we have nice thick layers of cartilage that take a long time to wear down all the way to where it's you know harmful for you so if you're concerned right now because you're you find that your kneecaps are crunchy you know they make noises whenever you bend them and straighten them out as long as it doesn't hurt you're okay now it is a sign that you've worn down your cartilage to some degree and I would get concerned to, to make sure you manage it because it can lead to other problems that we'll talk about in a second. But you you got to make sure to keep your cartilage healthy. Um, now, how to keep your cartilage healthy, that depends on a lot of things. Um, the, the most basic level of advice I can give you on keeping your knee cartilage healthy, the one right behind your kneecap and on the end of your thigh bone, is to make sure that you get some form of regular consistent exercise. Some interesting facts about cartilage are that it, it's a, it's a very active tissue. A lot of people think, oh, well, it doesn't, it doesn't have a blood supply. It doesn't have much of a nerve supply. And that's true, but that doesn't mean that it, that it doesn't do anything. It's a cushion and the cells inside the cartilage, the cartilage cells, they respond to how much force you put through them. And if it's the, the right amount of forces, it can actually thicken itself and fortify itself, make itself more dense so that it's protective against wearing down too fast and inappropriately so that you don't have knee problems later on in life. So regular exercise stimulates these cartilage cells to behave normally and protect themselves against bad stuff happening to your knee cartilage. Now, um, regular exercise depends on your fitness level, your ability. So if you haven't worked out in a long time, that doesn't mean start running three miles every day. You know, you, you got to do a little bit at a time and work your way up, of course. And you got to figure out what works well for you. Um, so that's number one. Worn down cartilage is 
uh, what probably one of the most common reasons that we see people here in the clinic with with knee problems, and it's very fixable. There's there's a few things that need to happen, big things that need to learn, and um, and they they all tend to get better. The noises don't go away completely, but it doesn't hurt, and it's not getting worse. So that's that's the most important thing. On to number two, loose ligaments. Now you've got a bunch of ligaments in your knee. Um, some are very popular out there. A lot of people get surgeries on these. And just to make sure that everybody's on the same page here, a ligament connects a bone to a bone. In the context of the knee, there's four main ligaments. I'll mention a fifth one as well. But the four main ligaments that connect the thigh bone to the shin bone, the thigh bone is the femur and the shin bone is the tibia. Um, you have the, the ACL, anterior cruciate ligament, the PCL, posterior cruciate ligament, the MCL, the medial collateral ligament, and the LCL, the lateral collateral ligament. Now, the ACL is probably the most commonly torn one or affected one, and that's the one that you hear about in sports. High school kids might have their ACL torn or affected somehow. And um, if you ever watch uh, basketball or football, knee injuries are commonly um, stemming from some sort of ACL injury. And if you have a completely torn ACL, it's actually possible to function without one. Um, but you have to make sure that you're very strong and that you learn how to move properly. Um, but that is a surgery that is commonly done for, for knees. If you have a torn ACL, there are great surgeons out there that can go into your knee and repair it. And there's a bunch of different ways to repair it. And, and those surgeries work out pretty well. The rehab is not fun. You know, in order to get all your knee motion back and strength back, it, it typically takes about a year. And uh, But most people return to sports just fine as long as they don't have um, too many other associated injuries. Because usually when you tear your ACL, there's other things that get affected too. Now, in the context of, th- of this podcast, we're talking about knee injuries that come on without any sort of trauma or accident. So if you had a sports injury and tore your ACL, then this wouldn't count. But let's say that you are in your 50s, 60s or older, and you had some old high school injuries or or you fell once or twice or more and kind of tweaked your knee. And it's never been the same since. We hear that story here in the clinic so many times. And they'll, they'll, they'll tie it back to, yeah, this one time I was you know coming down the stairs and took a bad step, kind of stumbled down, and my, my knee has never felt the same since. When we see those people here in the clinic, one of the first things we go to check is their ligaments because we can actually feel here in the clinic how loose their ligaments are or how tight they are. They should be tight. That's They shouldn't really move. Ligaments are not stretchy structures. They, they, they have a certain length and they, they, they're supposed to remain that length all the time. Uh, they do have some plasticity. In other words, uh, that's what they call it in the medical field. But that just means they, they over time, they can stretch and shorten. But they should normally have a, a good amount of of um, tightness to them so that it keeps your joint together properly. Um, but in some cases, we have people that have a loose ACL or a loose MCL or other ligaments as well. And that can start affecting the knee uh, really, really badly. They'll they'll get alignment issues in their knee, meaning the the shin bone doesn't line up properly with the with the thigh bone, 
And that's because the ligaments loose. It's, it's just not as tight as it should be. And over time, that causes other issues. Usually the, the ligament itself doesn't hurt a whole lot. It's the, the side effects of having that loose ligament. And um, the cool thing is, if you have a loose ligament in your knee, like an ACL or an MCL or one of these other ligaments, um, you, you typically don't need surgery. You actually need to brace it. You need to put a knee brace on. The hard part with it, though, is how long to wear the knee brace and when to wear the knee brace and how to wean out of the knee brace. There's a whole treatment approach to this that we that we walk our patients through here in the clinic because it is very confusing. Um, and, and the information out there on the Internet or even from medical professionals, they, they really, by and large, don't know how to how to feel the, that these ligaments are loose and how to guide somebody on on how to wear a, a knee brace properly so that it it keeps their knee stabilized long enough to let the ligament scar down and shrink to its normal size so that it keeps the position of the thigh bone and the knee bone in its proper alignment. Um, so if you think that you have a, a loose ligament injury, if you, if you feel like you fit into one of those stories, um, that could be a reason for your knee problem. Let's go on to number three next. We're going to talk about a torn meniscus. This is super duper common here in the clinic. Um, and, you know, our clinic here at El Paso Man Physical Therapy, we focus on helping people uh, avoid unnecessary surgeries, injections, and, and medications. And um, some cool research that came out with the meniscus. And, uh, you know, before I go into the research, let's talk real quick about what it is, the anatomy of it. Um, you have two menisci, meniscuses, however you want to say it, in each knee. So you have four in your body, you have two in each knee. They call them uh, the medial meniscus and the lateral meniscus. So a meniscus on the inside of your knee and a meniscus on the outside of your knee. And these are huge chunks of cartilage and they act like a cushion, a lot like the discs in your spine. They're shaped differently and they they are a little different in their their makeup, you know, what, what the tissue is actually made of. It is a type of cartilage though. Um, but they, they, they're different because your knee joint has to bend and straighten and you have to be able to walk and run and go up and down stairs and all the things that you normally do. So the meniscus in your knee are, are really interesting structures. Now they're, what a lot of people don't know is that they're not solidly attached to your bones. They're, they're attached to your tibias, the, the shin bone, the very top of it where, it where it interfaces, where it connects to the thigh bone. They're loosely attached. So they're, they're attached by the ends and they have the ability to kind of swivel and shift and move around in order to accommodate the femur, the thigh bone sitting on top of the shin bone. Now, if you've had a meniscus injury, then likely you've had a knee alignment problem that has caused the thigh bone to pinch the meniscus. And that's what usually causes a tear, a torn meniscus. A torn meniscus happens over time, most of the time. It doesn't happen right away. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, I had this accident and I tore my meniscus. But you have to always say, well, how do you know it wasn't torn before? And maybe it just didn't hurt at that time. Either way, if you've got a torn meniscus, what you'll feel in the knee is uh, usually a, a pretty loud clunk or, or click that happens when you bend your knee at the same 
angle every time. So in other words, if you're if you look down to your leg and you're say you're sitting right now and you straighten out your your leg and at the same angle you feel a little bump or a click inside your knee, that could be a torn meniscus. There's a lot of other things it could be too, but um here in the clinic we have special tests to find out is this more of a meniscus problem or a, or some other cartilage like the kneecap and thigh bone. If you do have a meniscus problem, um typically you'll get swelling along the joint line so where the thigh bone meets the the shin bone and it's associated with a lot of pain people will will be in pain for days at a time when it flares up um that's another concept these these meniscus injuries will flare up so they can get better when they're not flared up and then you do something you're too active you're on your feet too much and then it flares up you get swelling and it hurts and usually you lose some motion too you can't bend your knee or straighten your knee out all the way and in extreme meniscus injuries you get locking so the knee you lose a lot of motion and you feel like you can't straighten it or bend it all the way and some people will kind of force it and then it'll kind of pass that that restriction it'll it'll unlock it'll pop loose um or they feel like they have to shake their knee or twist their foot and get the right angle and then their their knee will move all the way. The idea with that is that there's a uh, the, in in the torn meniscus there might be a flap or a section of the meniscus that is um in the way of the of the motion of the knee and it blocks it. So whenever you have a a uh, torn meniscus the common medical procedure is to go get a surgery to clean up the meniscus where they they call it a meniscectomy. And what that means is they'll they'll go into the knee with 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 the scope, so they'll just make tiny incisions. They're pretty advanced on this surgery now, and they'll clip off the pieces that are that are um, torn or or in the way of of normal motion. And um, I think that's definitely necessary for some people, depending on how affected their meniscus is and other factors. And you know you'll have to talk to your surgeon about that. Um but there are some interesting studies that are coming out of the United Kingdom uh, the England area um where they've done placebo meniscus surgeries placebo meniscectomies um so what they did is they took people that had meniscus tears that were diagnosed via MRIs so they had an MRI they found the meniscus tear and half of them had a normal meniscus surgery where they cleaned up the meniscus and the other half had a placebo surgery so they they actually did make cuts on them and they went in they did everything they normally would except they did not cut off the chunk of the meniscus that they needed to cut off they left the meniscus alone and what they found is that in the recovery in the months after having the meniscus surgery both groups both the people that had a normal meniscus surgery and the people that had the placebo meniscus surgery recovered the same all improved they all got better and they all had a good outcome but now the question is how necessary is that meniscus surgery because of course that costs more money and the rehab associated with that it it takes more time um so they're looking at ways to make sure that they heal meniscus injuries without surgery now one more thing before we leave the meniscus topic because it is super common um and we see it here in the clinic all the time we have people that have the swelling issues they have limited motion it looks like a meniscus injury but then they go get 
a MRI and find out that it's normal. The, the MRI showed that there's nothing wrong with their meniscus. Now, there are problems with MRIs. Sometimes they don't show everything that's happening. And, you know, there are, there are times where the doctors go in and they're like, you do have a tear, it just didn't show up on the MRI. Or the opposite can happen where they say, we see a, a tear on the MRI and then they go in and they say, oh, actually, it's fine. And now this is guru level stuff. I don't have any research to back this up, but based on my experience with patients and how they improve pretty quickly sometimes, um, I think that there is such a thing as an irritated meniscus. Now, follow me here. Think about skin for a second. If you look at your skin, say, look at your hands right now. If you were to scratch your skin lightly, but enough to irritate your skin, you know, where you get a red mark, that is irritation. And it goes away within minutes, you know, at most a day. But if you were to scratch your skin so hard that it cuts it open and you start bleeding, that's a skin injury. That's different from irritation. Because what needs to happen in order for your skin to heal from a, from a cut that opens it up and you bleed from, you need to go through the normal healing process, which requires you to, to um, get a scab and develop a scar. And that takes you know a week or more at times. It's a longer recovery time for your skin versus just a light scratch that causes some redness. So I think the same thing can happen in a knee meniscus, a, a medial or a lateral meniscus in the knee. Um, where you can irritate your meniscus, not necessarily tear it because you didn't have any findings on the MRI. And the reason why I believe that happens is because normally cartilage takes months to heal. You're talking three to six, sometimes 12 months, depending on how severe the injury is. Yet we have people here in the clinic that look like a meniscus injury and they're better within a month or two. Um, So I have to think that you know, it's it's an irritation, especially if they have MRIs with them that show that there's no tear. And, you know, after a month or two of treatment, their meniscus looks completely normal. I really think that it's an irritation. And that's excellent news for a lot of people because when they come and get, get treatment for an irritated meniscus here, you know, we'll tell them if it's irritated or, or more likely torn. Um, they can avoid having an MRI, which can be costly and not really give you the best information always. And then they can also avoid a potential unnecessary meniscus surgery. And um, injections and pain medications, of course, just mask pain. They don't really fix the problem for the long term. Um, They can avoid having that as well. So there you go. There's all the details on why a meniscus can cause uh, pain in your knee. All right, we're halfway through all the reasons. Let's go on to number four, arthritis. Now, there's different types of arthritis. The, the most common is osteoarthritis. That osteo just means bone and arth, arth means joint and itis means swelling. So bone joint swelling is what osteoarthritis is. There's other versions of arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. There's more than that. Um, but the most common, common problem that people have is osteoarthritis. This is the age-related changes inside your joints. Now, this is associated with a meniscal tear, usually um, a loose ligament, and you can also have worn down cartilage. Now, this tends to affect people that are older. And what happens in, in, let's go to the extreme. What happens in extreme arthritis is you have 
a loss of motion. On an x-ray, you'll see that the bone ends just look different than normal. Um, there's been small repetitive problems that have continued for a long, long time and never been fixed. And it's changed the joint so much that the joint does not move normally. Um, there's swelling associated with this sometimes. And um, getting better from arthritis, from extreme arthritis, is you're, you're not going to get 100% better likely. You're, you're looking at more, more like getting 50, 75% better. And if it's not that severe, then I think you can get it in the 90s for sure. But there's usually some, some more permanent changes. Now, I'm an advocate of the, the body is very malleable. The body can change. You know, if you put it in the right situation, it can, it can morph into a, a healthier situation. Um, but when you've been working on some bad knee problems for decades, you know, for 50, 60, 70 years, um, you know, how fast it's going to morph back into normal is questionable if it's going to happen in your lifetime. So I, I just always keep that in mind. But let's talk about arthritis that's just starting. The way that this typically presents in somebody is they'll they'll have some knee pain. They might ache and throb. They may or may not have swelling. Sometimes they'll get swelling. They'll have grinding in their knee, usually clicking and popping. And they'll, they usually won't like exercising or moving. It won't feel good on their knee to go for a walk. It won't feel good on their knee to even get on a bike or elliptical machine they they just their knee just doesn't like to do stuff and so as a result people with knee arthritis typically avoid doing exercise because it's uncomfortable to do so and they tend to get stuck between a rock and a hard place because they might be out of shape maybe putting on weight and they know that they need to go exercise in order to maintain their their body weight and their their fitness but using their legs just flares up their knee so they get stuck in this vicious cycle of putting on more weight, being less healthy, and also increased knee pain. And then they start to think, well, it's my weight that's affecting my knee. And that might be true. That's extreme, though. You got to be like 70, 80, more than 100 pounds overweight for it to really be affecting your knee. But most of the time, if you can increase the mechanics in the knee, so if you can improve the mechanics in the knee, if you can improve the alignment, make sure the knee's bending all the way and straightening all the way, and strengthen certain muscles around the hip and knee, that usually creates more space within the knee joint, which allows for improved motion. So somebody that's got more mild to moderate arthritis can usually recover quite well and get back to exercising and and be able to manage their weight. We have had people here in the clinic that come in knowing that they have arthritis, you know, they've got an x-ray, they've got an MRI, the doctors have told them. The classic is a doctor says, you've got arthritis in about 15 or 20 years, you're probably going to need a knee replacement if you don't take care of this. Um, and then many patients are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm following in the footsteps of my mom or my dad who, you know, is in their 80s or 90s and they had a knee replacement a while back and I don't want to deal with that because... You know, I want to stay active and healthy and make sure that my knees are are able to carry me into my 80s and 90s just fine. Um, Or if they haven't had a replacement, they're saying my mom and dad complain about their knees all the time and they have to use a cane 
or a walker to get around because because of their knee problem. And um, I can tell you right now that more often than not, elderly people in those situations have not been able to get the strength and the space needed inside their knee joint. And they could have probably prevented being in a walker or, or having to rely on a cane if back in their 50s and 60s, they properly addressed it and kept up a few things as they aged over time. So I can't give you super clear specifics on how to treat arthritis. The The ideas that I can share with you about it are that you need to stay strong and you need to make sure your knee moves all the way. You might need help for that. You might not. It just depends on your specific situation. Um, I'm definitely going to err on the side of, of get help because it it will cut it will shortcut your time and make sure that you're on the right path to not allowing your arthritis to get any worse and possibly reversing it um but if you if you wait you might flounder around trying different things that may or may not work all the way and meanwhile your arthritis is just progressing over time you're unhealthy over time this could contribute to other side effect health conditions like your blood pressure being too high, your cholesterol being too high because you can't exercise because your knee hurts. A lot of people just don't connect it that way. So there you go. Osteoarthritis is one of the most common knee problems that, that people face as, as they get older because it just it builds up over the years. All right, two more. Number five, muscle problems. Now, the other way that I say this is muscle imbalances. Now, if you think of your knee joint, you have muscles on the front of your leg called the quads, the quadricep muscles, and then you have muscles in the back of your leg, of your thigh, called your hamstring muscles. This is a really simplistic explanation. There's there's way more complicated things that we look at here in the clinic and, and way more precise ways to fix this problem, but I'm just giving you the, the bird's eye view of things. If your quad muscles are way stronger than your hamstring muscles, it's gonna change the way that your knee joint moves. It's gonna yank on your patella more, your kneecap, because the quads move the kneecap. And it's gonna shift the shin bone too far forward on the thigh bone. Now, this could feel like your quads are always tight. It could feel like you get knots in your quads, you might get this the cartilage in the knees wearing down quicker. You might get the meniscus problems. You might get all the other issues that I talked about. The arthritis could come in. The ligament issues could feed into this as well. But if your thigh muscles are way too strong, that's what we commonly see, that could be causing knee pain right away. And now some of the misconceptions that people have, here's, here's a misconception to clear up, is they think, well, my knee hurts, so I need to get stronger quad muscles. At face value, that seems like it makes sense. But if you look deeper into it, it's going to yank the, the shin bone too far forward on the, on the thigh bone. And then it increases the pressure of the kneecap against the thigh bone. So it just changes the forces in a bad way inside the knee. That's a simple way to put it. Most of the time, the, the reason why people will get quads that are too strong is they're doing exercises that dominate the quads, that make the quads a dominant muscle in the leg. And 
the feedback is terrible because people think, well, look at these massive quads that I've got. That means I'm healthy. Though I see pictures online often of people showing off their quad muscles. And if you ever look at their hamstrings or, or the glutes or other muscles that contribute to this muscle imbalance, they don't have much there. Now, exercises in the gym that I would definitely stay away from if you're dealing with a knee problem right now and, and you think that um, a muscle problem could be affecting it are knee extensions. So the way this exercise looks is there's typically a machine, you sit in it, and it's got a pad that goes in front of your shins right above your ankles, and then you straighten out your knees and it makes your quad muscles tighten up real hard. A lot of people love doing this exercise because it's straightforward, it's easy, the machine is is easy to to operate, and you, it's, there's usually a stack of weights, and you put a pin in the weight that you want, and you do your exercise, and it it gives you that instant feedback that my quads are tight, they feel like they worked out, they're burning, and it makes you think, wow, I really got a good quad workout. And then some people will go get on the hamstring machine, and they can't lift nearly as much or don't get as as the same effect that they get on the quad machine, and so they're they're in a huge muscle imbalance. This is a big problem over time. Now, typically they don't get knee pain right away. They'll get knee pain as time goes on over the years, but it starts years before the knee pain comes on and when they've been working on their on their quads a lot. Another time that people get quad problems or quad dominance issues where they're working out their quads too much is doing free weight exercises like lunges, squats, and deadlifts. Exercises that are intended for your legs, they're, they're missing working other muscles and they're, they're targeting inadvertently the quad muscles. Um, you know, CrossFit is an amazing exercise in my opinion. I'm, I'm, I had a, a CrossFit background. I, I love doing weightlifting, powerlifting, all that stuff. Um, and I've worked with tons of coaches over the years and I work with some awesome coaches and some coaches that could probably brush up on their mechanics and anatomy and all that. And, you know, I don't blame them. I think all the coaches have the best intent. They're helping out all their clients with the best knowledge that they have possible. But they just don't understand certain things at certain levels. Of course, you know, I'm an expert in this kind of thing. They will have their clients do certain exercises like squats and lunges, for example, and the clients will report, they'll say, I feel this working in my quads and, and everybody's smiling about it because they're saying, great, you're getting an awesome workout. You're burning calories. You're going to get more fit. This is good. Little do they know over time, they develop these massive quads and they do feel healthier. They're, they're more fit. Their blood levels are normal as far as um, blood pressure, all their other blood values that are important for your heart health. Meanwhile, they're generating all these massive forces through their knee joint and they're harmful for the knee joint. They're wearing down their cartilage, they're loosening up ligaments, they're um, messing with the meniscus. And what typically happens is they, after years of doing these lifts that are quad dominant, where they keep working out their quads, then they have a knee injury that, that kind of comes on abruptly. And they're like, I've I just been doing my squats like I always do. I've just been doing my knee extensions like I always do. And all of a sudden, my knee just blew out. That's how this develops over time. So watch out. If you're out there exercising right now and you've, you've, you've been focusing on your quads and maybe neglecting other leg muscles, 
Uh, make sure that you have a, a more well-rounded exercise routine. Make sure that you fix your squats if you like if you like squatting and deadlifts as well. What you should feel on squats and deadlifts is actually your butt muscles working out. The glutes should feel like they're they're getting more of a workout. Okay, let's go into number six. This is the last reason that um, knee knee pain comes on for for most people, and this is related to those squats and deadlifts. Bad movement. Number six is bad movement. A lot of people don't get that their knee should work in a certain angle relative to their body. And if you're female, you know, typically you might have wider hips than a male. It's not 100% true, but it just depends. You have to adapt and kind of figure out the way that your body should be moving to get the right muscles to work, to take pressure off your knees. This is something that we go into depth here in physical therapy um, to make sure that everybody knows and understands how their legs should properly move so that their knees are healthy for the long term. This is not something that's taught. Oftentimes when we when we go into movement patterns here in the clinic, um, people think to myself, well, I know how to walk. I know how to run. I've been running for years and years. I've ran marathons, in fact. I know how to squat. I've been doing CrossFit for years and, and I can pick up hundreds of pounds. And or I know how to bike too. Cycling is another one. Cycling, people say it's no big deal. You just get on the bike, whether it's stationary or a road bike or mountain bike, and you just pedal. That's that's all there is to it. There is definitely more precise mechanics that need to be considered, and they're just small tweaks most of the time that if we can fix that bad movement, it turns into good movement. And think about this. If you have spent years and years, decades of your life, moving bad, little by little, you've been worsening your knees over time. And if you make as as small as a a few degrees shift in your knee position, it all of a sudden turns into good movement and you can keep doing those things that you love without having any knee injuries down the line. So movement, the way that you move is needs to be taken into consideration. Now, I can't give you more details on how to move right now because it depends on your genetics, it depends on your activity. There's so many variables that we have to take into account. When we give people advice here in the clinic, we would have already figured out what they like to do, what kinds of exercises they're looking to do once they get out of pain. Um, if they're not looking to do exercises, what their activities are like at home, at work. We have to factor all these things in so that they can properly exercise. All right, let's go into the four ways to start fixing your knee problem. Now, these are general answers here. So like I said, it depends on your specific situation, but some preliminary things that you can look at to make sure that you start to go in the right direction to fix a knee problem. Um, We're going to go over four of those. So number one, your footwear. Now, I think that you should be able to walk barefoot and be able to have normal knee mechanics. But if you're dealing with an active knee problem right now, having comfortable footwear helps tremendously. So um, if you can, depending on you know your work environment, the people that you're around, uh, the social context, all that stuff, having comfortable, supportive athletic shoes is a big deal. It will definitely help reduce your knee pain right away. Um, wearing dress shoes or heels, or sandals as well can affect your knees inappropriately. Um, Let me just go through each of those. Dress shoes tend to not have a whole lot of support. So if you're on your feet a lot and you're wearing shoes that have minimal support, 
um, the impact isn't absorbed in the shoe, it's transmitted up into the knee. And if you've already got an irritated meniscus or bad alignment in your knee or these other problems that we talked about, it can just make it worse. It can exacerbate the knee problem. Now, if you like to wear heels, even just a small heel, like a, an inch or, or two inches, um, you know, of course, people talk about the extremes, the big stilettos, the four, five inch, six inch heels. Obviously, that's going to change your ankle position and your foot position, and it's going to influence your knees and even hips and back. Uh, but even the small heels, if you're on your feet for a long time, that does put a small influence on your knee and it can aggravate knee problems the more that you are on your feet. So if you're able to get into some comfortable athletic shoes, um, I would recommend doing that. Now, sandals tend to not have a lot of support and also sandals, certain sandals don't don't wrap around the heel so they can, you know, they can slide off your foot really easily. And that can cause you to walk and move inappropriately. And I think sandals are fine if you're not going to be on your feet a whole lot. But, you know, if you're going to go to the store, especially a big store that you have to walk around a lot, um, I would definitely wear shoes that have that wrap around the heel so that you're not having to change the way that you walk. Number two, here's another the second way to start fixing your knee right away. Exercising. So, Find exercise that does not aggravate your knee. Typically, light cardio exercise is good for you. Um, if you can, get some advice on how to proceed in exercising, of course. But, um, you know, if you haven't really tried exercise yet, if you don't know if it's going to hurt you or not, I would venture into um, some stationary cycling. So go go to a gym that has a, the bikes, you know, the ones that you sit on and you can watch TV, something like that. Um, or you might have a bike at home, even if it's an outdoor bike, that could be beneficial for you. Um, and the idea with this is if you've got a cartilage problem, meniscus problem, or ligament problem, um, light repetitive motion like you might encounter on a bike or an elliptical too can begin to heal those tissues. Now, let's say you go and try this though, and you feel like it aggravates your knee problem, then it might not work out for you right now. But I would start there. You could start out with some easy, light exercise. And when I say light, you could still burn a lot of calories. You have to play around with the intensity. So I wouldn't put on any resistance on the machine to start off. And I would go for like 10 to 15 minutes at the very beginning, the first time you do this. Then if you feel okay, see if you can do another 5 to 10 more minutes. And you could potentially get up to an hour or more and burn quite a bit of calories to, to improve your health, which will also improve the knee if it doesn't aggravate it. So you can start out with some light cardio exercise. Now, where I want to warn you, let's say this works out for you. You start going to go cycle, you start doing elliptical, and you're like, wow, my knees are actually getting better. They still hurt. There's still some things that I can't do, but I actually feel better the more that I cycle and and do cardio, um, you know, um, like uh, the elliptical machine, maybe even some walking. In order to protect your knees, even more and make sure that you're reversing a cartilage problem, a meniscal problem or a ligament problem, you eventually need to get into strengthening. You need to make sure that the right muscles are strong. A lot of people only make it halfway through this. They only work their way through the cardio and don't ever get into the strengthening because they're afraid to. They have associated knee injuries with squats or with using that knee extension machine or other exercises, lunges that have hurt their knees. 
And typically those are good exercises. They just need to be done properly so that they're helpful for your knees rather than harmful. Number three, this goes in line with the strengthening. In order, in about eight to nine out of 10 knee problems, in order to improve the knee problem for the long term, essentially the cure, we're talking about the cure here, you need stronger butt muscles, the glutes. Um, the glutes need to get stronger. The glutes are key because they properly position the knee. If you think about your hip joints, which you know the glutes are on the back of your hip, they can rotate your knee in and out and they can change the way that your knee is positioned. And for normal everyday activities like walking, maybe running or, or this exercise that we're talking about cardio, your glutes are key in making sure that you're able to position your knee properly. They also, the stronger they are, they tend to set up your other muscles down your leg to operate properly. Now let's take this to the extreme. If you've got that relative that's elderly or you know somebody that's elderly, maybe yourself, and they have a chronic knee problem, more often than not, they tend to not have a butt. They just don't have muscle back there. We see it all the time. We see people that as they get older, they lose their poor butt muscles and that's associated with having increased knee problems. They'll have other problems along with that. They'll have back problems, hip problems, maybe even sciatic problems, sciatica nerve problems. But um, if you've got a knee problem and you're, you're older, more often than not, we see that they're lacking some serious butt muscles. And, you know, when we rehab people, when we get people better from their knee, if we're going to go down the pathway of strengthening their glutes, a nice side effect is that they actually get more firm back there and they sometimes even increase the size of their butt muscles, which is a good thing. So um, I strongly encourage you to start working on your glutes. There's tons of different exercises out there. You need to eventually get into resistance exercises, you know, the ones where you have to add some weights or, or make it challenging. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It just needs to be done right. So get help on working out your glute muscles. Number four, here's the last and most secure way to make sure that you start to fix your knee problem. Get specialist help. If you go find somebody that knows what they're doing to fix knee problems, especially somebody that can do it without a surgery, without more injections, without pain medications, I think that is your best long-term bet. Now, I'm not in any in any way knocking off doctors, physicians, people that give surgeries, injections, and medications because that is definitely very helpful in certain circumstances. Now, if you've got a completely blown up knee, more often than not, a surgery is recommended. There's cases here in the clinic where we see people for the first time and I say, hey, you got to go talk to the surgeon about this. I don't think I can help you out. This is beyond my help. But for more mild to moderate cases, and in some extreme cases can be salvaged as well, um, we we can help them out. And it's a process that takes time in order to get them to the point where they know they, they, they're educated and they're also um, helped out hands-on wise to make sure that they have full motion, all the mechanics are restored in their knee and the strengthening is done properly, the, the exercise is done properly so that they're safely getting there. Here in the clinic, we speed up that process big time. A lot of people like to go try things out on their own and that's fine, of course, 
Um, but they might try different things that don't work, things that don't help, things that actually make it worse, or they give up. They, they don't have um, that consistent feedback on you're doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing. We pry and dig here and make sure that everybody's on the right path to fixing their knee problem for the long term. And the the experience that most people have here in the clinic whenever we're helping them out with a knee problem is that they get better little by little. There isn't a big change right away on the first or second visit, they'll notice more of a change after the first month. And then it gets even better into the second month. And if we need to go beyond that, the third or fourth month or beyond, we'll, we'll see them for that. And what tends to happen is their knee stays better for a long, long time. There might be a few things for them to keep up long term as far as some exercises. Um, but if th- that's easy and that's simple, compared to getting a surgery injection or having to rely on pain medications. Now let's talk about those for a second. If you go have a surgery, you know, we have amaz- amazing surgeons out there that there's surgeries too that have changed so much in the past decade, in the past 20 years, they're, they're amazing. And they, they do a great job with doing meniscectomies and knee replacements and ligament repairs and all that stuff. Um, and if you have to have that done, that's great. But surgeons aren't necessarily teaching you on how to keep your knee healthy for the long term. They help you if something's torn, if something needs to be repaired or cleaned up, and that will typically allow your knee to feel better right after the surgery. But I always have to ask the question of how did you get there? If you didn't have any sort of trauma or accident that injured your knee, if it just came on without any sort of major problem, there's something that you're doing or not doing that led up to this And if you don't address that, you're going to end up having that problem again, even if you had a surgery to repair something that was torn or or worn down or or replaced. And so you need to make sure that you learn how to take care of your knee problem. An analogy, another way to think about this is um, think of liposuction. So let's say somebody who's heavy set. They, they know, everybody knows that if you eat better, if you eat less, you know, pending any sort of hormone problem or, or thyroid problem, if, you, if, you, if you're just overweight because you eat too much and you don't exercise and you know it, if you know that if you start exercising and if you start eating better, you're probably going to lose weight. But some people like to shortcut it. They like to go get liposuction and that's fine. That's your personal decision. And once you have liposuction done, you'll look thinner instantly right away. But if you keep eating the same way, if you keep not exercising, it actually does come back. You you will put the weight back on and you'll you'll grow again. It's the same idea with getting a knee surgery done. You're if you don't learn how to manage it, it's just a matter of time before you need another knee surgery or you have some other knee injury. And we commonly hear people say it. They'll say, "I went in for a meniscectomy because I had a meniscus tear, a menis- meniscus problem." And the surgeon told me after afterwards, after I finished all the therapy and the follow-up, they said, well, you might need a replacement in 15 or 20 years. You'll, you'll probably need a, a replacement in 15 or 20 years. Come and visit me again when that happens. And I just am thinking in my head, no, I hope you don't have to have another surgery. Let's figure out how to fix it, how to move better, how to get stronger, how to improve your alignment, how to take care of your cartilage so that you don't have to have any other procedures later on down the road. Now, the other one is pain medications, whether it's injected or you're taking pain medications. That beats up your liver, that beats up other organs, your kidneys, and it doesn't teach you how to move better and get stronger. It just takes away the pain temporarily. Now, if you get an injection, 
typically those the the relief will last anywhere from a month to several months and some people kind of get cured because their irritation goes away and they don't get back to that activity that got them there in the first place so they think the injection fixed it but if the pain comes back after having an injection it's because you're doing something to aggravate it still you can't expect the injection to cure the the knee problem notice i said problem not pain because it will take care of the pain but it won't take care of the problem that caused the pain and that's what we look to fix here in the clinic with manual physical therapy same thing with medications of course those just last hours maybe a day and you really can't rely on it they they have some serious side effects addiction problems for the -the over-the-counter medications I'm sorry, for the prescribed medications, you can have addiction problems and doctors will limit you nowadays on how much medication you can have. And also it affects your normal function. I mean, some people, they say they feel like they're drugged all day. They feel like they can't operate vehicles. They can't drive. They feel drunk. They feel like they can't work. They can't think clearly. And that's not cool. And then the -the over-the-counter medications like ibuprofen, they can rip up your stomach. They can really cause some serious problems inside your gut. And uh, some people feel it instantly. They'll feel nauseous. They feel like they can't eat after taking ibuprofen. Um, But some people don't feel anything instantly. And I'm more concerned about those because if you're taking ibuprofen around the clock, like the bottle says, every four to six or eight hours, depending on, on the dosage, and you go for weeks like this, then it can seriously mess you up. Some people get hospitalized for this or some people that even die from side effects of taking ibuprofen. So it is not a good idea to be taking ibuprofen for for the long term. Now, that being said, when people come into the clinic here, I'll tell them, hey, how's your home life? How's your work life? If you're pretty grumpy because you're not sleeping enough because your knee doesn't let you sleep or you're just aggravated, maybe taking some pain medication or asking your doctor for an injection or pain medication is wise at this point. But please be sure that you're working on a plan to fix the long-term problem so that you're not having to rely on injections or medications for the long-term. So there you go, guys. You have the top six reasons that people get knee pain. And I've also given you four ways to start fixing it right away. I hope that this podcast was helpful for you. I hope that you are more knowledgeable and educated about why your knee problem is happening and what to do about it, what next steps to take. If you are thinking that you want professional help right now, I encourage you to reach out to us. Call us at 915-503-1314 and talk to us about getting help for your knee problem. If if you're in the El Paso area, we, we are open here to help you out. If you want more tips, more help, go to our website at epmanualphysicaltherapy.com and there's free resources on there. You can find our blog. We have tons of knee, knee help there as well as other body parts that we commonly see. Um, you can download a knee pain tips guide. It's a PDF document that you can get sent right to your email as soon as you you give us some details, your email information, all that stuff. We'll send it to you right away and you can begin to read through a knee pain guide so that you can learn more about other ways to help out your knee problem. I wish you have the best day today and stay healthy and stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Stay Healthy El Paso podcast, brought to you by El Paso Manual Physical Therapy, where we help El Pasoans get away from taking pain medications, avoid getting injections, avoid surgery, and keeping up an active lifestyle. 
If you'd like to learn more about what El Paso Manual Physical Therapy can do for you, call 915-503-1314 or visit our website at epmanualphysicaltherapy.com. Mention this podcast for a free discovery visit valued at $100. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and follow the show on your favorite listening platform so you won't miss an upcoming episode. Tune in next time to get the best health tips from experts in the El Paso area.